together. Jesus' name. 
Amen. Ezekiel 34, uh, we're going to just continue to go through this. Um, I have another thought today. Um, and so last, last week, a couple of weeks ago, we started by saying we're not merely interested in accumulating Bible knowledge, but our aim is the knowledge of God, which is the most important thing in life, is the knowledge of God. Right? It's not just to accumulate um, you know, Bible information. It's, it's the knowledge of God. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So you need to start thinking differently by what, what is eternal life. Most people think primarily in temporal terms, terms of time or unending time. No, eternal life is a construct of the knowledge of God. You know God, you have eternal life. You don't know God, you have no eternal life. And, and it's, that's simple, right? So, um, and this life, this life, of this knowledge of God and knowledge of Christ can only be found in the scriptures. John 5.39 You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Yeah, I mean, think about it. These are the, Jesus talking to the Jews. They searched, diligently inquired. They just didn't have a two-minute devotion in the morning. And called it a day. As so many Christians sometimes don't take their devotional life further than a two-minute devotion in the morning. I don't think that that can be described as searching the scriptures, right? The idea that we take time to search the scriptures, because in the in those in those scriptures there's eternal life because they bear witness of me, Jesus said. That these scriptures bear witness of Christ. And then last week, we considered in Ezekiel 34, we go back to Ezekiel 34, 1, I wanted to really consider a little bit more deeply the, the, the issue of, behold, I, I myself will search. And we asked the question, what is the reason that God is involving himself personally in this crisis in Ezekiel? Um, pay close attention. In Exodus, God did not personally involve himself. He raised up Moses. Right? Uh, there, all throughout history, God has raised instruments. In this case, in Ezekiel, God says, no more instruments. I, I myself will seek my sheep. Search them out. And so, we, we wanted to ask that question. And what we came up with um, that, that the crisis of Ezekiel 34 and, and the shepherds that, that neglected the flock, the sheep of God, that that condition of neglect of the house of God, a neglect of the people of God, where the people are scattered and the shepherds of Israel have no clue what's going on, right? That that particular condition was jeopardizing the purposes of God for his people. And as, as it jeopardized it, it basically brought in a climax of a crisis. 
that this one required God's involvement. And last week we encouraged you that when we neglect the house of God, just like those shepherds, when we neglect to care for one another, when we neglect to pray for one another, the, hint, the, the, the purposes of God are hindered in our lives. Right? They're hindered. And so we want to, we encourage you last week and exhort you to value the local church gathering, to the fellowship. The, the shepherds did not value the sheep in Israel. They did not value uh, the importance of what, of the significance of the sheep of God. They didn't value it. And God, and, they, and therefore the sheep were scattered and, and were, were consumed by wild beasts, as, as Ezekiel said. Right? So we gotta, we gotta take, we gotta, we gotta ask the Lord to increase the value for the house of God that we may not be accused of doing the same thing. The house of God is a place that God has appointed to help and support his people. Look at Psalm 20, verse 2. May he send you help from where? Right? From the sanctuary. May he send you help from the sanctuary. Don't ever forget, if you are in need of help, come to the sanctuary. Come to God's people. Right? He will send you help from the sanctuary. And he will support you from where? From Zion. The city of God. That's where God, that's where you're going to find strength. People want to dis dismiss the church. The church, because of the pandemic, no longer essential. So stay home, right? Amen. Are you kidding me? That did not even cross my mind. <laughs> it could be a pandemic of ultimate proportions. Three times worse, and I will be here. <laughs> because at the end of the day, this is more important than anything else. And if God says to gather, we will gather. And, you know, let God forget that. <laughs> right? Amen? We're not going to be stupid. We're not going to be uh, foolish. But we're going to, wait, 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 this is essential. If all that Satan wants is to disrupt the unity of the body so he can wreak havoc. Amen? So we're not going to allow that. But, you know, Psalm 84, 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Right? They remain in God's house. Amen. So one encourage today, I want to continue in the spirit of Thursday. And Thursday was such a beautiful time. I woke up, you know, I've been waking up with um, Jesus on my mind. <laughs> Amen. And um, I, I love it when I wake up and the first thing in my mind is how great Jesus is. Amen. So well, today I want to um, ask a more fundamental question that hopefully will lead us to Christ. This is the question I'm going to ask for today. In light of Ezekiel 34, let's go back to Ezekiel 34, verses 1. You know, the Lord behold, I, I myself will search my sheep. Um, and the question that I want to ask that hopefully will answer some of your questions, you know, in the, the scripture raises these questions. All right? And the question is, what's the question? I, I have a slide there. Why does the Lord, why does God even allow the situation in Ezekiel 34 to deteriorate so bad that it requires divine intervention? Right? That's a basic question. We have to take a step back and say, oh God, you know, the shepherds have neglected your sheep. Wild beasts are eating and consuming them in the situation. 
is at a climax of a crisis that now requires God to personally become involved. Well, let's ask the basic fundamental. Why, God, why don't you, why do you allow it to deteriorate so bad? Why doesn't God intervene before the situation becomes so awful? Why doesn't God intervene before it, it just the devastation takes root? Is that a fair question? Look, look, at, look at what the Lord allowed. Look, look at what the Lord allowed Ezekiel. Look at Ezekiel 34, verses 5 and 6. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. What? Do you know what he's saying? They're being consumed. These are metaphors, right? These are pictures. They're not, they're not, it's not literally animals, right? These are spiritual pictures. They're being consumed by wild beasts. I believe that those wild beasts, spiritually speaking, can only refer to demonic powers. Right? The situation is, is horrific. They became food. Demonic powers are feeding off of the people of God. That's pretty terrible condition. Why does God allow it to go to that degree of devastation? Why, they, why does he allow them to be scattered like that? I know what you, you, should, you, know what you should be thinking. Yeah, but that's never. <laughs> Lord, why do, you have to, why do you have to go through this? Right? How many have ever asked that to? Yeah. <laughs> but why does it... Why, Lord? Is this necessary? This is a lot of pain. This is a lot of sorrow. Um, how many of you ever thought, Lord, why, why are you letting me go through this? This is horrible. Have you ever, has anyone really honestly asked that question to the Lord? A couple of people. Maybe some of you. Well, if you walk with the Lord, you will ask that. Why does the Lord allow me to be crushed under the weight of this difficult and painful situation? When, when, I went to, when I went to see Georgine, you know what's the first thing that came to my mind? As tears rolled up my I said, why, Lord? She has suffered enough. Seriously, Lord? She, need, she needs blood clots? Are you kidding me? She can't eat. She hasn't been able to sleep. She has nobody. She's alone, emotionally devastated, physically devastated. She's just devastated. And now, Lord, blood clots? And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, why, Lord? Why? And she's looking at you with those eyes. Scared. Right? Put yourself in the, in the 
mean, I was able to, for some reason, I was able to relate with her. I just, I just wept. I hope I didn't discourage her. I mean, sometimes people weep. It's like, wait, you know what I'm saying? Like, next time I tell you um, the reports I do for the case, like, those don't cry. <laughs> you know, like, you know, but, but I, I just couldn't help it. My eyes welled up, and I was just, it was just streaming. I'm like, Lord, why she's got to go She has been through so much. Look at her, Lord. Look at Psalm 10.1. 10, Psalm 10.1. We're in good company. Why, O oh Lord? I mean, this is where you know you've walked with God, right? I, you know, let's be honest. A lot of people, they, 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 you know, they, they, they don't have these experiences. They don't, they don't have ever have a why, Lord, because really they, their relationship with God is very superficial. Because at the end of the day, even people in the world suffer too. Right? Not like, you know, right? Now I do think, like my brother said, I do think that there's a special suffering for us Christians. We're called to suffer. Uh, we should be suffering more than the world, in my opinion. And not my opinion, but the Word of God tells us it has been granted to you not only to believe, but to suffer. <laughs> and you know what that word granted means in the Greek? He's giving you a gift. <laughs> He's gifted you. Not only with the gift of faith to believe, praise God for the mountains. <laughs> but he's also giving you another gift. There's two of them. We only open up one. <laughs> you know, the other gift too. It's called afflictions. Suffering. But why do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in time of trouble? Why did you allow the situation in Ezekiel to deteriorate so bad? Come on, God. That raises that great old question called the problem of what? Suffering. Of suffering and evil. If you guys have studied philosophy, if you studied history, this is the problem, this is the giant. This is the champion, right? The champion of atheism is the problem of evil. So many atheists stand on the rock of the problem of evil, confident in absolute assurance there cannot be a God. And they stand on this argument, the problem of suffering and evil. And the, the Bible raises this question all the time. We'll just have to see it. Ezekiel 34 is raising the question. So many, even believers, abandon their faith. I'll never forget, I watched a documentary of a, of a Holocaust. And it's a very touching hot documentary. I mean, these documentaries, if you've ever seen them, they're just, you know, these Jews that survived the Holocaust are interviewed. And I'll never forget, they have a little old lady she must have been in her 80s. This must have been like 20 years ago. She was in her 80s and she, she had survived the Holocaust. And they were interviewing her. She, 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 um, she described a scene that is so painful about a line of Jews standing and um, families with their children. She's watching this. They're supposed to get on this train. I think they were going on the train. And um, 
One of the kids, one of the children, ran out, ran out of the line. She said that the Nazi soldier took that kid and broke his back and threw him out. She said, in that scene, and the injured said, what's the first thing that came to your mind? You know what came to her mind, she said? God does not exist. Game over. The issue is self. Can you blame her? I don't blame her. Right? I mean, come on. <laughs> it was, but the way she said it, it was like, oh yeah. The first thing to mind, God came not and that was what she said from that day on. So, right? She's, she's dealing with this issue firsthand. You know, I know for us, you know, the Eagles lose. It's like, oh, how <laughs> No, people are dealing with real problems. The problem of evil. They argue that um, there's so much pain and suffering in the world that God. You know, right here. Let me give you um, just clearly what 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 this is what they say. All right, so I'm going to give you the, their premises. I have a slide. You can you can uh, Abby, you can put it up. This is a summary of the premises of the problem of evil. All right. All right. First of all, it, it goes something like this. Premise number one: an all-powerful being is able to prevent an evil. Is that true? Yeah. Yes, of course. Of course, it's true. An all-powerful being is able to prevent any evil because he's all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Amen? Do you, do you, uh, anybody struggles with that? God is all-powerful. The Bible describes God as all-powerful. Second premise. Here's the second premise. These are, these are like chess pieces being moved in. <laughs> A perfectly good being, right, will prevent evil as far as he can. Right? All powerful, but on the other hand, all good and loving. So his his benevolence is infinite. Is God perfectly good and all loving? Yes. Third premise. The God of the Bible and this is true. This is particularly an assault against the God of the Bible. Because you can, you can come up with any kind of God. right? But the God of the Bible right, is an all-powerful and perfectly good God. At the end of the day, when you read the Bible, you're going to find, the only conclusion you come up, he's, he's all-powerful and he's perfectly good. There's no other conclusion you can make. Fourth premise. Fourth premise. So if an all-powerful and perfectly good God exists, there will be no evil in the world. You see that? That's a premise. That's just a premise based on he's all powerful and he's all good. So when you combine them together, logically, it seems to conclude that there could be no evil. And if there is, it's just, it's just it's just, it's just completely wiped out. He's all powerful. And his desire for good never ceases. So checkmate. Right? <laughs> Fifth premise. Guess what? 
There is evil in the world. <laughs> like, how, many can, how, many, how many believe that there's evil in the world? And by evil, we don't mean only to body power. You know, evil meaning pain, suffering, disease, un, uh, bad situations, unfortunate situations. Right? But, and the last premise, of course, therefore, since there's evil in the world, in the world, therefore, the all-powerful, all-perfect, good God of the Bible cannot exist. And that's how they—that's how a lot of atheists, a lot of believers, a lot of a lot, a lot of people go down that path. And to them, logically, it, they cannot break out of that. They—they they don't have an answer for that. And of course, you know, some people, you know, they—they they, um, you know, somebody try to ask, "Oh, I got an answer for that. I got an answer for that." And like, you see, um, God, man has a free will. I'm like. You just made the problem three times worse. <laughs> you see, the evil in the world, because man has a free will. As if that solves the problem. No, it doesn't. It makes it worse. How does it make worse? Ah, very simple. And I remember as a young, as a young believer, I said, like, oh, God, no. <laughs> um, Bob is out with his daughter. Bob loves his daughter. His daughter is the apple of his eye. And he loves, loves Julie, his daughter. Loves her. Thinks about her. <laughs> Goes to bed at night. I love my daughter. They go to the park to play. And by the park there's a train track. And the train is coming. And Bob says, Julie, please use your free will to get out of the train. Come on, Julie. Train kills Julie. Oh well, I gave her a choice. Would God do that? Would Bob do that? What would you do if you were in Bob's shoes? <laughs> you run up to Julie. It's just kicking, and you pick her up because love compels you to save. It's not a free will question. This is like, are you kidding? You just assaulted God's character. Are you saying that He values Julie's free will over Julie? No. <laughs> Amen. Doesn't solve the I hope you can see that the same question is Ray Ezekiel. Is the God of the Bible all powerful? Yes. Is the God of the Bible perfectly good? Yes. Is the God of the Bible a fraud, a figment of man's imagination? Yes. No. Then so what's up with God? Why does he allow it to um, Right? Why does God allow the situation in Ezekiel to deteriorate? Why does he allow the situations in your life to deteriorate? Do you have an answer? You should. Hopefully by... You should have, there is an answer to the problem of evil. Evil does exist. But there's a, and there's a good answer. There's a glorious answer. Amen? Alright, God allows the situation in Ezekiel 34 to deteriorate. God allows the situation in your life to deteriorate. Yes, God allows it. Right? For what reason? To accomplish His great purpose. In history, all of history, your history, everybody's history, God, God allows the evil to come. God allows it to accomplish His great purpose, 
So the, the, the deterioration of the conditions among the shepherds of Israel is setting the stage for something that God wants to do. We talked about this on Thursday. And I just thought the Lord wants me to just to really encourage you because some of you were not there. But it's time that we start to really think differently. Listen, listen. Um, it actually greatly pleases God. I know this is hard to understand. It pleases God to allow evil and the deterioration of moral and physical conditions. There's no other way. We, otherwise, if it doesn't please God, it will not, it will not happen. If it's not accomplishing anything in God's purposes and plans, it wouldn't take place, period. But it pleases God. Because those conditions are creating the best possible context for the one thing that God is after. As we said on Thursday, God ordains catastrophic, pathetic human failure and evil in order in order to create the best possible conditions, listen up, to reveal the glory and the majesty and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like, like, right? It, 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 like, don't, don't get confused. And you, we all will be. There will be circumstances where you are going to say, why, Lord? And these, this light will fail to shine emotionally because we're going to be overwhelmed by what we're going through. We're going to be overwhelmed by other, what others are going through. But just because I don't see the light in that moment does not deny that the light is shining. God ordains catastrophic, pathetic, embarrassing human failure to which they're accountable to, right? We established that already. But he allows ordains it because, precisely because it creates a context that, to achieve something that he's really after. And that is the greatness the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. <laughs> God ordains plagues, disasters, sickness, cancer, all of them. There has never been a calamity. Listen up. I mean, these, are, these are statements that you have to, you have to kind of take them home and just think about. It. But this is absolute truth. Since the beginning of creation, there has never been an evil situation, a pathetic human failure, a disaster, a calamity, a plague, a sickness, a devastation, a painful situation. It has never happened that has not gloriously served God's purposes in glorifying the Son. Now that's, whoa, everything God, yes, everything. Otherwise God would fail to be God, right? Something would fail. He's used everything to magnify his son. Everything. And so you, so you, I know some of you are saying, Emmanuel, are you saying, are you saying that God glorifies his son at my expense? 
Does God glorify Jesus Christ at our expense? Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I got five million turns. <laughs> yes! God glorifies his son at the expense of our pride and arrogance. Right? We are intoxicated with our pride and arrogance. That's the reason why God does it. Yes, at my expense, because this little guy here is intoxicated with pride and arrogance and self-centeredness. Right? So yes, God does he does glorify his son at my expense because of my pride. We are so full of ourselves. We have barely any room for the glory of Jesus Christ. We get so filled with the cares of life and we can go hours and not even consider the greatness of That's unbelievable that I would go 30 minutes and not consider the greatness of Jesus Christ. We, we think that that's normal. Well, that's the human. Yes, it's normal for us self-centered, prideful, fallen creatures, but it's not normal in heaven. Everything in heaven is a continuous glory to Jesus Christ. Amen? And by God's, with God's help, we're being sanctified. And one day, one day, amen? I don't know about you, oh, I look forward to that day. One day, no more cares of life, no more pain, no more distractions, no more this, no more tax thing, no more, right? It, it's just all for Christ. Amen? Amen? You know, some of us are so glad when something good happens to us, we get a new job, and we're like so excited, you know? You know, we're like, yeah, we're 10 feet. You know, it's like, we got a raise, right? And it's like, we got a new car, and our hearts are just so bubbly and happy. But when was the last time you felt like that for the glory of Jesus Christ? Let's be honest. Let's cut the pretending. How many treasure Jesus Christ more than anything else in life? Do you know that that's a horrific sin? And that's why the blood of Jesus cleanses us all the time. All the time. Why? Because we fall short of the glory of God. Right? I feel it every day that my patheticness of worship. So distracted. Praise God for faith. Praise God for the blood. Praise God for what we have. But I can tell you one thing. My heart longs. I, I have not arrived. I want this. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. I want to be a sanctuary of unending, unceasing pray and delight in Jesus Christ. I'm not there. I, will, and I never will get there until one day I will cross and I lie. But, but I'm born, but we're pressing on. We're making every effort. Amen? <laughs> I want a couple more pixels before I die. <laughs> Right? A couple more pixels just to pop up. <laughs> I got four pixels right now. How many do you have? Zero. Yeah? By the time I die, maybe I get a fifth pixel. That'd be wonderful. 
But, but we've got to be reminded of what's this issue. Why are we here? Why, do, why does any of this exist? All for Jesus Christ. Not for you. Not for your family. Not for your generations. For Christ. His glory. His majesty. That he will be supreme over everything. In my mind. In my heart. In everything that we do. Does the church live like that in America? I don't think so. This, this, think about this, right? Um, Jesus is so fantastic. I thought about this. It's just, he's so magnificent, Jesus and his being. That God's infinite soul finds the fullness of satisfaction in Christ. Think about that. Look, look, at, look at Matthew 3.17. Matthew 3.17. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. You and I can never, never satisfy God. Are you kidding me? He's infinite soul. He's an infinite being. What can I possibly bring to God that he would find delight in? He's God, I'm a creature. Impossible, but not with Christ. The mystery is he, Christ, fully touched the depths of God's soul and God delighted. <laughs> Tell me that Jesus is not awesome. Is Jesus awesome or what? For him to touch the infinite soul of God and bring delight. God finds delight in Jesus. Has he touched you? If Jesus can touch the infinite soul of God with great delight and pleasure, how about you? You, you're a little shot glass. <laughs> I got my little, my soul's a little shot glass. <laughs> right? So a little bit like that. I said, wow. Not even, oh, if, 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 that's my soul, the depth of my soul right there. Can, can Jesus feel that? <laughs> Why doesn't he? This is the mystery. Why is it that when I look at other people's life, oh, I see other things in the glass. I see other, like, interests. I don't see a lot of Jesus. In his presence, is fullness of joy. Pleasures for 20 minutes. Is that what it says? Righteous forevermore. Jesus is fantastic. Jesus is glorious. Jesus is just so beyond our capacity to comprehend his greatness. Why do we, why don't we see that? Why are we so blinded? Jeremiah 2, 12, 13. Look, look, listen to this. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. <laughs> this is like serious. Like God said, look, you know, this is a covenantal thing, by the way. You know, he's bringing in these, the heavens. He said that in, De in Deuteronomy, so I'm going to bring the heavens. And in, in, in Jeremiah, he brings the heavens. He says, Yo, be appalled, O 
heavens be utterly shocked be utterly desolate declares the Lord so the question is okay before we move on what's he could be so be shocked about here's my example <laughs> okay. verse 13 my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, we have forsaken this great Christ who satisfies us. And all of us are guilty of this. All of us. None of us. We're all guilty. And I'm praying, God, man, I, I want to delight in you more, Jesus. Forsaken the fountain. Not a trickle, not a little, not a fountain of living water. Waters that are alive, right? Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Christ, this magnificence of Christ, God offers to us. You see, God ordains catastrophic, pathetic failure. God ordains the issue in Ezekiel 34, these shepherds. That they, they neglect the sheep and it's painful and it's hurtful and it's real. It's not, this is not just myth. This is not just a, a, a metaphor. This is a real living situation. God ordains because he's trying to create the best possible conditions for the revelation of the unique greatness of his son. Do you see that? Do you see how those conditions what? Right? Those conditions do two things. Look at, look at Isaiah 2. Isaiah 2. And the haughtiness of man shall be humble. And the lofty, not just pride, lofty pride. The lofty pride of men shall be brought low. And guess what? Praise God. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. So God allows, God allows our circumstances. You might be going through difficult circumstances. Praise. Do you understand now why the Bible calls us to rejoice when we're going through suffering? Can you connect the dots now? The reason why you're called to rejoice in the suffering is because the act of suffering, the conditions of suffering, the conditions of pain, the conditions of affliction are preparing the conditions for the glory of God. <laughs> So that if you don't suffer, if you're not going through a difficult situation, you're not going to really see the glory of God. You're just going to be, ah, all right, whatever. But when you really want to experience Christ in the greater measure, buckle up. God will create conditions that are very difficult, that are meant precisely to bring low, humble the, our haughtiness and to, and to bring low our pride. Because pride gets in the way in ways that we have no idea. Amen? Amen. So we got to get this. we got to get this. Right? Um, we got to get this. You know, um, look, at, look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of, of the unbelievers. What is he doing? Is he bringing them to crack houses? Is he bringing them to like, you know, do all kinds? No! This is his goal. i got to keep them I just got to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That's all he has to do. I just got to keep them. They cannot be 
how beautiful he is. It's pretty magnificent. You know, and that's pretty extraordinary that he can blind them. <laughs> but he keeps them up. Guys over here, buddy. <laughs> right? Let's not see the light of the glory of God. Amen? From seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So, so these are two things that we must understand. First of all, we must understand how much the roots of pride, the satanic roots of pride and self-interest fuels our own carnal hearts, even in our pursuit of God. All right, even in our pursuit, look, look at John 6, 25, 26. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill. You, you see that? You see how subtle our pride, our arrogance, is not really about the person, the glory, the beauty, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. It's because my needs were met. Do you see the difference? That it's so easy. There's so many people in the church, and the reason why they are in the church is because they ate their fill. It's not that. It's not that. It's not that complicated. There really is no real appetite for the beauty, the glory of Jesus Christ. It's that my needs are met. I feel better. Amen? Amen? God sees it. So we must understand how much these roots go down into our own lives. And secondly, we must understand God's absolute commitment. If you don't go home, go home with this, understand God's absolute commitment to the supremacy and the glory of Christ over all things. This takes a while to kind of adjust in life because, right, uh, we just make our, we make life about ourselves so often, you know, uh, but that's not the way God ticks. That's just not the way. And so we're constantly butting up against God because he's on a whole different program. You're thinking about your life, your future, your family, you know, all these things, you, 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 you. God is thinking supremacy of my son. And I don't know about you, I remember I have to, and I'm still going through an adjustment. I'm st I still have to adjust. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I still have to adjust. Because the tendency is my stuff, my life, my health, my family. That's just a tendency that we all have. And so, so for God, his ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His thoughts, right, is about his son, Jesus Christ. Do you understand that he has more thought? His thoughts for Jesus Christ is greater than his thoughts for my salvation. Does that, I know some of you say, why, really? Yeah, it's the reason why we can is because, oh, I, I love you. You know, I'm like, he's got to save me. <laughs> no. He's more concerned about his son. Right? He doesn't save everybody. Think about that. There are many people in hell. In fact, many, the majority of humanity is going to hell. 
people because they're like, I can't believe I would let people in hell. Well, you gotta adjust. His goal is not to get people out of hell. His primary goal is to what? Exalt his son Jesus Christ. That's it. And, and some of us, we have to learn to make that adjustment so that we can begin to be more alive because the ten, we, we have a magnetic pull to our own lives. We put other things as, as more important, but not don't, but with God, they will never work. He's, he's for his son. And this is, this is so beautiful. Look, look at Jesus says in John 8, 54. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me. All the time. That's, a, that's an active tense participle. Continues. My Father is glorifying me. Not twice a week. Not Sunday mornings. Continues. And God doesn't sleep. Right? Just glorifying his son. Right? Um, the spirit does not speak anything that does not concern. For some of you that like prophecy, and I believe in prophecy. We have a church that believes in prophecy. Absolutely. God still speaks. Because I'm not that ended. No, it doesn't. God still speaks. But, but somehow we find, we find people saying some weird things sometimes. I'm like, man. No, that's got, we, got, we got like really let's get a grip, let's go back to the word of God and let the spirit, but when the spirit speaks he will not speak unless it concerns his son either directly or indirectly right, look, look what Revelation 19.10 then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that, I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus, worship God <laughs> for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of what? Of what? Prophecy. In other words, his, his, I remember his years ago, so when God's spirit speaks and prophesies, it always magnifies Jesus Christ. Mammy out, that's not the Lord. I want you to go to, you know, to the train. And, um, you know, and we, get, we make all this stuff. And I said, well, that's good. I want to go to the train. But I want to hear more about Jesus. Amen. You know, I, I, tell me how going to the train will magnify him. Right? You know, sometimes we just get so distracted because we have no anchors. We have nowhere to really, what is God after? God, after one thing, the supremacy, the greatness of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Look at John 6, 45. This is beautiful. Another beautiful scripture. It is written in the prophets, they will be all taught by God. So this is a people that have been actually, they went to God's seminary. They've been taught by God. Look what Jesus said. Everyone, without exception, every single person that has been taught by God. Not by men, not by seminaries, but taught by God. Right? There are many people taught by seminaries, leaders. Go ahead. YouTube is just a great... If you want to be a teacher, this is your opportunity. Go to YouTube, open a channel. You have 10 million viewers. Just say a couple crazy things, and you'd be surprised. They'll come in like flies. But if you've been, if you've been taught by God, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father Comes where? Comes where? Amen. To whom? Amen. To Jesus. Amen? So God has a major, uh, this is what I like to put it. Sometimes this is helpful. Some people, some people don't like it. Lord doesn't like it. But 
That helps me. God has OCD. Alright? It's just helpful for me because I, I, I'm, I have some OCD tendencies. <laughs> and I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. God has OCD. Did you know that? He's obsessively compulsed behavior. And that was helpful for me. Believe it or not, you know, you know sometimes years ago, when the Lord just put that like that, I have OCD. I said, I said, I get it. I get that. <laughs> I thought about Bruce. You ever saw Finding Nemo, Bruce? You know, he's a big shark, and he's going to um, uh, Sharks Anonymous because he's trying to take his obsessive compulsive eating of other fish under control, right? And it's a kind of funny scene, but um, I thought about finding Nemo. I said, Bruce, I like Bruce. And so Bruce is a big, big shark, and he's just, and they go to these meetings, and he thinks Dory and uh, Nemo, and then, um, and everything's going well. They're, they're, they're speaking about their problems, and, and even the people, the other sharks are encouraged by Bruce, because Bruce has really been um, under control. But what happens? The mask hits Dory's face. Pow! And when the mask hits Dory's face, a little blood goes into Bruce's nose. <laughs> and Bruce, everything changes. <laughs> now it's required major intervention. Because he smelled the blood. Well, that's the way God is with Jesus. <laughs> he just went Christ. <laughs> and and, and there's, there is no intervention here. <laughs> he, becomes so, he becomes filled with a passion for Jesus Christ, for the glory of his Son. Amen? So let me see. For those who are here in, in, um, on Thursday, when, you, when, you go, when you're crying out to God because you're struggling with chronic depression, what, what will God say to you? Have you considered myself? What is it? When you cry out to God because you lost your job, what does God say to you? <laughs> when you cry out to God because you found out that you have terminal cancer, I need some support. What does God say to you? <laughs> when you cry out to God because your spouse left you in a mobile, what does God say to you? <laughs> have you considered my son? We bring our problem like that's the main thing. Our problems are never the main thing. Have you considered my son? Amen? I mean, look, look at the book of Exodus. When I read this years ago, I was like, this is, this is wrong. 430 years, they're in bondage. Right? Talk about, God, why did you allow the situation to deteriorate so bad? 430 years, he allowed it to deteriorate. Moses goes to a mountain. What's your name, God? Just tell them. I I remember, I remember reading that years ago. I was like, wow. That's so cold. That is so cold. I am? Uh, how about us? 430 years? <laughs> like, like 430. Can you forgive yourself for a moment, God? You've been good for 430 years. We are suffering. I'm, I don't really care about you. Right now. How about us? God, this, that's God's message to a people that have struggled, that have been slaving for 430. You know his message? I am. I read that. I was like, talk about breaking the addiction that we have to ourselves. That we even suffering can fuel our self-centeredness. Oh, poor me. 
self-pity. And we can we can and we can forget about the glory of Christ and we forget that. No, he is. I am the great I am. Amen. Yes, yeah, so God, I'm gonna wrap up. God is um, allows the situation to deteriorate in order to create a context for the glory of the Son. How many of you are suffering? How many of you are going through things? I want you to be encouraged. I know it's painful. Some of you are going through things are very painful. What are you going to do with that? I want to encourage you. God is preparing you for something. If you stay firm, if you not give up, and begin to rejoice, begin to, begin to rejoice. Because that suffering is not an end in itself. It's a means to a greater end. And that greater end is to glorify the Son. And therefore, you can rejoice because God is going to glorify His Son in your situation. Does that make sense? But you can only rejoice if Christ matters to you. If it's all about you and your relief, you're not going to rejoice in Christ. You're going to be like, okay, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but there's nothing there. You're like, stop. You're like, expect it. And I want to encourage you. I really do want to encourage you. Look, look at, and, I, and with this I close. First Peter. First Peter 1, verses 6 and 8. In this, this is, these are the saints, you know. I, you know, we've got to be honest with ourselves. How much do you really treasure Christ? How much of it of what I said today is, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't live like that. And that's okay, be honest. But, you know, this is a good place to be honest. Uh, my fear is that so many have pretended their Christianity to have a relationship with Christ, but they never rejoice in him. And that's concerning to me. There ought to be in this, you, you rejoice. You rejoice. You rejoice. There is rejoicing in the Lord when you start to catch a glimpse of how great He is. People come to church in and out, but they've not really tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And the church is filled with people like that. They've not really tasted and seen that the Lord is wonderful. So that the first problem, they go to their idols. Peter said, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, right? So this rejoicing is in the context of grief. You have been grieved by various trials. You see that, right? You rejoice. Although they're grieved by very, that's possible in the life of a believer. Man, we should be like, when troubles come, we go, yeah, bring it. But we don't do that. I don't, I don't do that. I want to do that more. Bring it on. I'm not afraid when I had cancer. Though. I had that. I had that. <laughs> I said, oh, this is going to be good. I, I just felt joy. I said, God's going to do something beautiful through my cancer. And you know how, and that was such, one of the most beautiful moments in my life was that period of life. I mean, it was just like, 
I just, I just connected with the realities of the Bible where this is working for not just my good, for the glory of Jesus Christ. You understand? Like, we get so, he's working for my emphasis, my good. <laughs> right? We know how to turn to it. We know how to twist scriptures. My good, praise God, all things work together, my, me, good. <laughs> and that's not the way you should read it. You should read it. it, it all things work together for my good because Christ will be glorified. Is it your good or is it Christ's glory you desire? You know, so, so we're trying to be honest and sincere. And so, God, in this year, 2023, um, uh, we, talk, we encourage you in the Word. We encourage you to pray. We encourage you to be in the house of God. Now, this message is more like, come on, let this be the driving force, little by little. You're not going to turn this call. You're not going to switch the channels of your heart and mind overnight. You know, it's a conditioning. <clears throat> To truly make Jesus the treasure of your life. To say, Lord, to be honest in prayer, say, Father, I don't feel excited. I can't remember the last time I laughed because you're so great. What was the last time you laughed? Come on, you got his greatness is fuel for joy. One glimpse, you know, <laughs> and he's like magnificent. You know, it's like, I mean, I'm troubled if I go the whole day and I have not laughed. I said, Lord, I want to laugh because I don't care what I'm going through. He's great. And his greatness is absolutely just great. <laughs> He's just, he, it's like, sometimes I'm thinking to myself and I'm in public or something and I have to like hold myself or Laura's annoyed. If Laura's home, I can giggle, I can giggle laugh. But you know, but, but it's like, you know, sometimes you want to contain it. But the ones that said we laughed because he's so great. <laughs> Come on, seriously. He's like great. He, all that Jesus is is magnificent. Is that real to you? I mean, it's to me. Not all the time. Sometimes I'm just overwhelmed that he's as, as far as the east is from the west. I feel. But you know, I praise God. I said, well, no, 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 time out. It's not about me. It's about. It's about his greatness, his supremacy, and my delighting in Christ. And that's what I want. I'm asking God to do this. And, and, and some of you have to pray. Say, okay, you know what? I, I'll be honest. I, I, got, I, thought I was just good to read my Bible, come to church, and I thought that was it. I said, no. He wants you to rejoice in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? What good is it we're reading our Bibles, coming to church, but we're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what good is that? What kind of testimony is that? You rejoice now for a little while, if necessary, even grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result. Here we go. That's why you rejoice. To result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God uses our suffering, our circumstances, all of that is to serve his purposes of creating a context for his glory. But we get so absorbed with my, my pain that we just suffer and we, we don't allow the spirit to encourage us. Though you have not seen him, you love him. 
though you do not now see him, you believe in him and what? Rejoice. With what? Rejoice. Rejoice. You rejoice. Is that your Christianity? Come on, let's be honest. Is that a snapshot of your Christianity? I want to encourage you. God wants to encourage you today. That is inexpressible and filled with glory. Let, let's stand, Abby, when you come. Let's stand. And I, I want to, you know, this is a... Is the Lord precious to you? Is the Lord real to you? You know, it's something that I want us all to consider. Uh, we're going to sing a song. But I want to give time. Perhaps some of you might say, you know, I want you to pray for me. I'm not sure if I, if I truly know Jesus Christ in that way. I'm not sure. I hear you laugh. I hear you giggle. I hear you... And I, I just don't know what to, what that means. I don't know because I've never really felt like that. I don't really see what you're seeing. I don't see what's the big deal. It just doesn't strike me the same way. I think Pastor Ron and I would love to pray for you. And you know, God's not, God does not condemn you. But sometimes, and it happens to all of us, we 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 become religious. We become formal. The Bible says in the last days that there will be a form of godliness, but denying the power. What power? Not just signs and wonders. I mean, it is the power of the glory of Jesus Christ manifested. Don't leave today. Don't leave today thinking, I'm not so sure that this is real in my life. I, I, I want to encourage you to come and, and let's pray. That you are rejoicing in the glory of Jesus God, of Jesus Christ. Are you rejoicing in that? And life is hard, and it doesn't mean that every single day of your life, every single moment, you're going to be giggling and laughing. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about as something that is real to you, that by the grace of God, uh, Acts puts it this way, seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Like, hey... We need seasons of refreshing from the present. If, you, if you say, well, I don't really need that. No, you need that. You need to experience, right, pleasures forevermore from time to time. You need to experience it. I mean, otherwise, it, it, it's, it's all like some, some, some thing that we, we read in the book. God wants to, the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to live inside, not to just... Um, Help us to you know have thoughts. You know, I mean, it's more than that. He wants to give us a real encounter with Christ, something that we can know that Christ is magnificent. And it's amazing that when you have those moments, those moments are eternal, and faith locks into those to that reality, even without the emotion. <laughs> That's what faith locks in, even when the moment you say, "Wow, okay, happening," but faith is sustaining my convictions in this moment. Amen? I want to pray for you. 2023, so many believers are, are withdrawing from the faith. Many have died in the pews. Many have died spiritually. Like, like, there's nothing there. No love for Christ. 
no joy in the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you. you know, I want to encourage you. What might be, um, there can be many things, but I, God is faithful and He wants to touch us and He wants to, He wants to um, heal our hearts. So we're going to sing a song. There's a little chorus I read, and we didn't practice this, but we'll play it. All is for your glory. All is for your glory. And this is a song that I, you know, in, the, in this season of my own life, I, I just like I just like to you know, have songs that just remind me that all is for your glory. Oh, 
Heavenly Father, that is our heart's prayer more than anything, God, today. That Jesus Christ would truly have the preeminence in our life. Father, I pray for all of us, Lord, to truly know you, Father, that we say we love you, we understand salvation, but we don't have the joy. We're not rejoicing in you. Our rejoicing seems to be confined to how we're doing, how things are working out. Forgive us, Father. Lord, may we find our joy in Jesus Christ. Despite the circumstances that we go through, may Jesus Christ be the love of our hearts, the desire of our hearts to know Him more. God, to lift Him up every day in our lives, no matter what it is that we go through. Oh God, I pray that You might draw our hearts nearer to You, Father. Give us a renewed love for Jesus. God, give us new passion towards Jesus. Not towards our own happiness. Yes. Not towards the things that we desire. God, I pray that you would draw us closer to your Son. Help us to understand his glory, his magnificence. Father, help us to understand who we are in Christ. Because of Christ. Oh God, help us to rejoice in Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for putting other things, other idols, worshiping other things, God, other than Jesus Christ. Finding our contentment in other things rather than in the person of Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Father. Lord, please, in all of our hearts, restore in us the joy of our salvation, Lord. Oh God, remind us throughout the week, every day, of who Jesus Christ is. God, He deserves all the glory and the praise. All the honor, Father, goes to Him. Father, would You work these truths in all of our hearts. Oh Father, if any are here today that do not even know You in the forgiveness of sins, and they have not experienced the grace of God through trusting in Christ for salvation. Open up their eyes, God. May they even today, God, place their faith in Jesus for salvation, Lord. Yes. Understanding, God, that their works are filthy rags. We can never feel the gap, the distance that we have ourselves in a holy God. It is only through Christ, His work on the cross, His resurrection, our righteousness is only through trusting in His work. So God, I pray that you would draw many to yourself, that they would bow the knee. Oh God, that you would save them. God, I pray that this word would stay in our hearts. That we would not so easily forget what we've heard today, Lord. As we start the week and all the distractions kick in, may Jesus Christ stay at the foremost of our thinking, God. At the forefront of our passion, God. May the week not be predicated upon the circumstances, 
but help us to stay focused on Jesus Christ. Help us to consider your son in every situation that we may experience, Father. Lord, we bless your name. We praise you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for Jesus Christ. When we praise, we'll be lift up, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Noble church step. Amen. Go with the blessing of the Lord. Amen. Remember, have you considered my son? <laughs>
Right. I can't get on to it.